read on through uh, verse 23. So if you would stand with me, if you're able, in the reading of the Word of God this morning, in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 18, and we'll read on through verse 23. It says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed in stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. You may be seated. Now, when we read this as believers, we ought to, as sowers, sowers are those that are putting the seed out, uh, that there is great freedom from sin and death in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we sow the seed. We go out and we plant and we water and we're trying to ask people to just consider their relationship with Jesus. As we were teaching in Sunday school, why do you believe what you believe about Jesus Christ? And so when you look at this, many are steeped in religion today. And, and, and religion, when I say that, uh, I'm not trying to be negative about it, but sometimes religion is what's causing people to die and go to hell because they're religious. But they don't really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. They know about him. They've heard about him. They may have even heard him being preached or what have you. But what do you do with Jesus? And so there is something that has to happen. And so we see four different kinds of situations here amongst people. And it goes from everything from the unfruitful to the fruitful and so everything in between there, and sometimes we fall into these categories, and we come and we go as, as well as believers. Sometimes we'll fall into these things and be pulled away by some of the things around us. And when you think about it, many are steeped in religion, and they see Christ as restrictions. And I, I've talked with folks uh, many a time, and they see Jesus Christ as it restricts me from doing what I want to do. And the reality is, is no, he liberates you from sin and the flesh, and he gives you freedom and, and what happens in our heart and our mind is we think we're being restricted by Christ, and in reality, we're given great freedom in Christ. And a true relationship with Christ brings about what I would call a more fruitful life. And, and when I talk about a fruitful life, it all is, it's not always monetary prosperity. And I know when we think of fruitfulness, we think of monetary prosperity, and that's not what it's about. A fruitful life in Christ Jesus can mean many things, but we know that, that he's the center of our life and that whether it be in my finances or in my marriage or in the raising of my children or my relationship with family members or the reaching the lost or whatever the case may be, it becomes a fruitful thing and my Christ is the center of it all. And so he talks about a fruitful life. There are those, including Christians, that delight more in the benefits of material gain than they do in gaining God's wisdom and reaching the lost. I, I like to pick up the Bible at times and just start reading, and, and it refreshes me at times, and I, and I pick it up. We're, we're uh, reading in our devotions right now in the book of Ezra, and, and just this morning, just looking at what God accomplished in the book of Ezra. 
one of the things that he challenged the people with, and Ezra had brought it before God, was the fact that you had all these folks marrying uh, uh, these heathens, and God said, listen, you're not supposed to mingle that way. And the saved are not supposed to essentially marry the unsaved. And so all that mingling was going on, and God judged the nation of Israel for what they were doing. And so we're looking at this, and you say, well, how is that fruitful? One of the things that I want to teach my children is not to marry unsaved people. And whenever you talk about unsaved, what are we talking about? Someone who doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was at Loudon Baptist Temple, and I, I remember a couple coming in, and they wanted to get married, and, and Pastor was talking to them about salvation, and the man said, I believe in the man upstairs. It's not the man upstairs. His name is God, amen? And, and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that I challenge all of my children with, if, if they're saved, one of the things is, is they know Jesus Christ is their Savior. They have been scripturally baptized by immersion, Amen and that they are in a church of like faith and doctrine, and that they themselves have a spirit of giving. In other words, they tithe and give, and then they serve and witness for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about salvation, that's what I'm talking about. When I tell my children you need to marry a saved man or you need to marry a saved woman, it's not that they just know the man upstairs, amen? It's that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it makes the marriage better and God teaches us that uh, in, this, in, the, uh, in, the, in the response of working together and, and uh, living in this world, we use God's wisdom and we reach the lost by doing so. There is a great joy when a person professes Christ. And, and I, I, I thought about this a lot of times. I remember how temporal uh, I was and, and the things that I desired so much. Uh, when I, even after I got saved, uh, I was still trying to pursue the things of this world, and, and things are so temporal. <laughs> Do you understand the word temporal? Anybody understand what I'm saying? I mean, it's just temporary. It's not going to last. And we pursue so hard those things. But our relationship and the eternity and, and the eternal things, how much do they really matter to us? And I began to think about the importance of pursuing that which is eternal, and, and when you begin sowing the seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, something happens to you. I remember I'd go out and I'd knock on doors and people would reject and I would knock again. And people would reject and I'd knock again and people would reject. And I just kept on doing it until I come across an individual and I've even had this said to me, I've been praying that someone would come by. <laughs> and, and you begin to share the gospel with them. And certainly we get a lot of rejection when we're trying to tell Jesus, talk to people about Jesus today. We get a lot of rejection. And the thing is, is that that shouldn't cause us to stop. That should cause us to continue to forge ahead. And we see that happening in our world today. And we get these responses, but our witness should never cease regardless of the response that we get. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ offers us a free gift and freedom from a life riddled with sin, and yet there are some who will reject that truth. Emily and I were out and we were knocking on doors here in Minster, and uh, we were just not far from here. And when we knocked on the door, um, well, actually, the, the, the gentleman was outside. He was working on his mason and working on his steps there. And so we came up to him, and I was getting ready to hand him a track and tell him who we were and where we were from. He said, don't want it. I said, okay. And I said, uh, do you have a church home? Catholic. I said, okay. And he said, 
I said, how long have you been Catholic? He said, 99 years. I said, you don't look that old. He said, I'm 99 years old. He's right here in Minster. Not far from here, Chris. He's just like right almost at an angle from the church here almost. He said, 99 years. So if he's 99 years old, are you with me? And he's been Catholic how long? What does that man believe? And so what we have to do is still share the truth. Just because he believes that, this shouldn't stop us from giving the gospel to people. And I said, would you be willing to let me share some things with you from the scriptures? Nope. I said, sir, do you read your Bible? Nope. So, you know, you understand what I'm saying? And just because they are the way they are doesn't mean that we don't continue to witness to them. It's sad to think for just a moment how many people are religious and are going to die and go to hell. Now, I want to challenge you this morning because I want you to think about this. There may be even people in Calvary Chapel Baptist Church that are just being religious. And they've never really trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Religion will send you to hell. Truth of Jesus Christ will take you to heaven. We've got multiple responses here. Multiple responses from people. Listen, Jesus was dealing with this in his day, and it was the Messiah himself actually standing there talking to these folks. And we look at all these various responses, and people reject. And so what I challenge you with is continue to sow the seed of the gospel regardless of the response. So what's one of the responses? Well, let's look here in verse 19. What happened is Jesus had already given this parable, and he was talking to all the people. And then he came and he told the disciples what the parable meant. And that's where we are right now. Because he'd already given this to them. And he said, you know, they, they have eyes but they cannot see. They have ears but they cannot hear. And he says, let me tell you what the parable of the sower means. And so in verse 18, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. He's talking to the disciples. He said, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which hath received the seed by the wayside. Now, there's this response, if you will, or no response, if you will, when you're handing out tracts. Often, the response from the individual, they just kind of hear you. They stood there. The Brother Dwight Smith. How many of you remember Brother Smith? How many of you remember him? We were in, we were in uh, Colonial Beach, and we were uh, in an area just knocking doors. And, uh, boy, we were out and just knocking away. And he came up to one door. And uh, we, we knock on the door, and a lady comes to the door, and uh, he uh, was talking to her about the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, she said that she was Buddhist. And he asked the question, and I, I mean, he, he, he even goes further than I do sometimes, but he says, well, where's the temple where you worship? <laughs> and she said, it's like, you know, more than 100 miles away from where we were, and I can't remember the actual town. But the fact is, is he said, so... Let me ask you a question. The Bible says, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. And she said, well, thank you very much. He said, no, let me repeat myself. <laughs> and he said, and this is the record, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. And, and he kept saying this to her, and she would say, well, I, I really need to get going. He said it again. He was trying to sow something in her heart, wasn't he? 
He was trying to get her to think. See, it's talking about sowing that seed. How many of you have witnessed to somebody and you can see almost a response and then all of a sudden it just vanisheth away? Brother Lee Bowman and myself, we were out witnessing one night and uh, he was, had come into town for a revival. When he had come into town for the revival, we're witnessing to this lady and I said to her, I said, now listen, I said, I want to share something with you. I said, but oftentimes when we get to the point where we get to the end of this, something crazy happens, you know, a dog will bark, a phone will ring or whatever. And just about the time I got the gospel to her, you could see that response in her face. She was ready. And I said, would you like to pray? As soon as I did, Chris, the stinking phone rang. She flipped out. She said, how would you know that? And I mean, she just got really like whacked out about it. And I said, well, let's, let's ignore the phone. I said, would you like to pray and trust Christ? She said, no, no. I don't know how you would know the phone would ring. See how the devil uses things? And he came in and did what? Snatched away everything that was being sown. One night with a lady, me and Junior Persley were out and we were witnessing. And this lady had this, this uh, big uh, German shepherd dog. But it was so meek-spirited. I mean, it was just, just as quiet as could be. And I began to share the gospel with her. And Junior was sitting there with me. And about the time I asked her, I said, would you like to pray and ask Jesus Christ to save you? That dog stood up, came over, and got right between my legs and went, and I mean, stuck his teeth out. And I was like, good night, man. And the thing of it is, is that it distracted her for a moment. And she goes, I don't know why he's doing that. And I thought, I do. This thing's demon-possessed right now. I can see it. Do you see his teeth? And the thing of it is, is I thought at that moment that it was going to snatch it away, but then she came back and she put the dog, as soon as she said whatever the dog's name was, took it into the other room and it just sat down. And she came back in and I got to share the rest of the gospel with her and she prayed and asked Christ to save her that night. But guess what happened? Nothing. She said she prayed and she came for the service and all of a sudden it fell off. How many of you know those people? Anybody in here know those kind of folks? And so what happens is, is that sometimes the devil comes in and snatches away what's been sown. In Mark 8.31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he began to teach them the Son of Man suffer many things. Here's the thing. Jesus suffered a lot. And here it is. He simply came in to tell them the truth. And their thought was, reject him and kill him. <laughs> and remembering that Jesus Christ is the one who died for us, got rejected, it ought to help us to understand there's going to be times when we go knock on doors and it's going to be religion at the door. It could be Satan at the door, right? And we go and we knock on that door, but it should never stop us from sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what happens. Went up one day and was knocking on the door. Me and Brother Williams, he was my soul-winning partner when I was at Loudoun. And uh, we go out and we knock on the door. And, uh, or we were walking up a sidewalk. We knocked on the door. We came around. We were walking up a sidewalk. I see a man standing there. And it was back in the day whenever you had those house phones, you know, that had the big antennas on it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You had these, like, uh, cordless phones. And they had, I mean, they looked like this big, you know what I mean? And he's standing outside. And I didn't see what else he had in his hand. And he was standing there. And he had something else in his hand. I realized he had alcohol in his hand. But it, it, I came up, and I went to hand him a track. And he put the phone down by his side, and he looked at me, and he goes, 
I hate people like you. Get out of here. And I said, well, sir, I just came by to say hello. You say, preacher, you're scaring us, man. We don't want to go knock on doors if that's the way people are going to treat us. But do you know there's those times when I knock on a door and it's soft. And God gets you in the door. And you get to talk to people. But here's the thing. In every case, Satan's going to come in and try to steal that away. What it should do is encourage us to continue to plant and to water and to plant more seeds. And the seed is the Word of God. And the soil is a representation of the various types of hearts that you'll encounter whenever you go out. And when the seed is just sown along the path, it can be easily snatched away. I uh, was uh, trying to set myself up for my hunting down in, in Virginia. And one of the things the guys told me, they said, man, just plant some winter wheat. Just plant some winter wheat. Just plant some winter wheat. So I went down and I tried to till it. It was a little bit hard. And so I went down tilling the path. And I had a path around our property. And I was tilling it. And I throw the seed down in there. And they said, man, all you got to do is just throw the stuff down there. It'll just grow. <laughs> and so I threw it along the path. And the next time I go down in the path, guess what I saw? Birds just having a feast, man. They were just taking everything I had laid out there. Guess what was happening to the seed? It's just being snatched away, wasn't it? It's just being taken away. And this is what he's talking about here. He's saying what happens is, is that it just gets snatched away. It's simply lying out for the taking. And here's the thing. Satan, that wicked one, he'll take every opportunity he can to snatch away the truth of the Word of God from your life. He'll take every opportunity he can to snatch away the Word of God from your life. Now, Jesus had multitudes but was not impressed by the fact that they followed him because many fell by the wayside. They were devoured. If you go back and read chapter uh, 13 and you read from the beginning to the, uh, up to where we are at this point, you'll see that those folks uh, fell to the wayside. So people will follow, but even as Christ experienced, they will not respond and accept truth all the time. Regardless of what Jesus did for them, they wouldn't accept the fact that he was the Messiah. Regardless of what you tell people out here, sometimes they just won't accept it. But... Look at the next one, the emotional response. And we've seen this as well. Look at verses 20 and 21. But he that received the seed is in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath not root in himself, but doeth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by he is offended. I liken this person to a pine tree. <laughs> On my property, I had a lot of pine trees. And one of the things about the pines, the roots didn't go too deep. You'd see them on the surface a lot. They didn't go deep down in the ground. But boy, I had this walnut out in the middle of my driveway. And so we're going to take this walnut tree down. When I took this walnut tree down, there was like a crater in my driveway that we had to backfill. The roots were so deep to this thing, it was unbelievable. And yet the pine trees are always falling over because they didn't have very deep roots. But that, that, that particular tree that was sitting in the middle of the driveway, when we built the house, we left it there thinking, well, it'll stay for a while, but it just became a pain in the neck. And when we tried to take it out, boy, did we leave a crater. And the thing of it is, is the roots were deep. You see, some Christians come to the place where they hear the Word of God and they receive it with joy. How many of you have met those people? <laughs> And, and, and there are times where I've shared the gospel with folks or I've had them come to church and, and man, I have seen them just excited as all get out. They make me nervous sometimes. This is the place for us. And they've been to one service. Man, this is where we need to be. Oh my goodness, you know, and you see that joy and all this excitement in them and you're thinking, woo, man. And, and you'd like to have half of that. And then they disappear. 
And you're wondering why. This person hears and responds immediately but never grows spiritually. In Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 31 and 32, And they come unto thee as the people cometh, and they sit before thee as my people, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but the heart goeth after their covetousness. And lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. Now, I'm certain there's many of us in here, we probably have our favorite hymns. I have a hymn I love, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. How many of you know the song? (laughs) I love that song. I love to listen to it. It's pleasant to my ears. It reminds me of my relationship with Jesus Christ. It reminds me of a lot of things that didn't need to be absent from my life, but present in my life also. And, and I love to hear that song. It's pleasant to my ears. But here's the thing. If I don't do what the Word of God says, it's just a pleasant song under my ears, isn't it? But he says, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Now, if the things of this earth don't grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, there's a problem, isn't there? You see, what it is, it's pleasant to the ears, but not a willingness of heart to do anything. And so sometimes we pick up the scriptures and there's that pleasantness to it. We see it, we understand it, we know what it says, but the willingness to follow through on it isn't there. That's what Ezekiel was talking about. And Ezekiel said, look, there's this pleasantness of it. Think about John the Baptist in John 5, 35. He was a burning and shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. When you look at it and you see that, and you see those people going out to see John, they were excited. They went out to see. And Jesus said, what is it that you go see? A shaken reed in the wind? Is that what you go to see? Why do you come out to see John? What's the reason? What's the purpose? And John is preaching Jesus Christ, isn't he? Whenever Jesus comes, John the Baptist pulls back and he said, Behold what? The Lamb of God. And the people started to reject the message that John had now. See, you wanted to hear it for a while. It felt good for a while. It was good for a season, but then it disappears. What that is is an emotional response, but are not willing to do and teach the Scriptures to yourself and then to do them. You know, you think about it, trials come. And what happens is they take offense, and the reason that it occurs is because they're not able to endure. There's no root in it. And when you think about roots getting deep into the ground, it's hard to pluck it out of the ground. Now, here's the challenge. Rooted in church when the doors are open. You say, what does that mean, preacher? Well, the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. He tells us that in Hebrews 10.25. And yet, in our minds, we say that the church or meeting like this is not as important as you think, preacher, but it's one of the most important things that we do. We come together to worship God. That's why we're coming to the house of God. Not so that I can just preach a message or we can sing a few songs or we can take up an offering. We're literally coming together to worship God and to preach His Word. And then what is it for? It's for the purpose of helping us grow stronger in the Word of God. That's why we come together. One of the other things that we come together, and you ought to think about this, what is your prayer life like? Do you have a prayer life or do you pray occasionally? You see, the Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that if we're going to take root, one, we need to be in the house of God. Number two, we need to be people of prayer. 
Do you know the Bible speaks more about prayer than any other subject you can come up with? And God's constantly telling us, pray, 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 pray. Watch ye, pray, pray without ceasing. Listen, faint not, pray. God's always telling us to pray. And so when we're praying, what are we doing? We're coming to God. And because we believe that he is and that he's the rewarder of them that diligently do what? Seek him. So God tells us to pray. So I challenge you in this thought. Where are you on this scale right now? Has the seed really been snatched away from you already? Or are you at the place where you were just excited about when you first heard it, but man, going to church and praying, preach, you got to be kidding me. But you know, there's more to that than just that. There's that idea of coming into the house of God and meeting together and fellowshipping together and then praying together. And then what about reading and studying his word daily? Well, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How many of you can do that? How many of you pick up the Bible and you can say, I know, or I have read, or I am studying, or I am looking into, and yet the Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. In other words, God told you that he wants you in his word. He wants you to study it. Not just read it, and there's a difference between reading and studying. Would we agree on that today? There's a big difference between reading something and studying something. And God said, study to show thyself approved unto God. Now listen, I didn't write his word. I'm just telling you what it says. And God challenges every one of you in here. Listen to me. He challenges every one of you to study his word, to study his word. And then reading and studying the word daily fellowshipping with other Christians in 1 John 1, 6, and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. One with another. One with another. That's what we have. And he says we have fellowship one with another. And listen, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, there are many who respond experientially how it makes them feel. I call it a quick burst of passion in the moment. (laughs) And I've seen it many, many times in the years that I've been preaching. And I've seen that quick burst of passion, and they come, and and they're excited. They are this verse to the T. But he that received the seed in the stony place was he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. They're excited. Man, they just get so excited about it. And here's what happens to them. Yet hath he no root in himself, but he dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. In other words, I ain't going over there because... And then they have their reason. And they give you their reasons for not being in the house of God. There are many who just respond experientially. It's like a ride at an amusement park. <laughs> How many of you like amusement park rides? Anybody? I used to love them. I... I'm telling you, I'm, I'm 54 now. I go now, and I'm like, I sweat when I get off them things, man. I'm like, good night. I used to love getting on all the roller coasters. You could ask my kids. I'd go, man. It didn't matter what it was. And they'd say, man, you're going to fall off this ledge, and you got three uh, seconds of weightlessness. And I'd be like, yeah. Now, Brother Darrell, I feel like my innards are coming to my outwards. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, man. Came home the next day, have a big bottle of the leave there so I can get rid of the pain. <laughs> My neck doesn't turn all the way because I was like shifting back and forth like this all the time. But the thing of it is, it's like an amusement ride. I remember riding the Superman. Anybody ever hear of that one? It was at, uh, we had King's Dominion down our way and we had Six Flags down there 
and, and one of the things was they had this Superman ride. And I mean, this thing was flying. And you would just do this. And then you'd click, 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 and then you'd come straight down. And man, I was all excited about it. And then the kids took me from that to Batman. And when you get in the Batman thing, you're laying this way in it, and you're facing the ground. And you're flying, man. Oh, man, this is crazy. And we're flying all over the place, and you're strapped into this thing like Batman, you know? And you're just going, it looks like you're going to just hit the ground at many, many points. And the exhilaration, and then, uh, and then the exhilaration, and, uh, and then the exhilaration, and uh. There are people who live their lives that way. Just ride a roller coaster, man. Have you ever met anybody like that? Like if you were to watch their meter, like this is normal, and this is depressed, and then it's like, boom, they're off the charts. Anybody ever meet anybody like that? How many just go from one extreme to the other? You're like, good night, what is that? Like where did that come from? You know, people like that, I usually say, hey, I'll get back with you in a minute. <laughs> no, it's just like off the charts. And, and their temperature gauge just left and right and left and right. And listen, it's experiential. It's how I feel at the moment. See, eventually you get off the ride, don't you? You still feel a little queasy, a little woozy from it, but you get off the ride. You get back on your feet and you get stable again. And what God wants us to do is not ride an amusement ride. He wants us to walk in Christ Jesus. We have a responsibility, folks, to plant and to water. And then we have to trust God for the results, regardless of people's response. Look at this next response. There are some that fall away because of materialism and temporal situations. Look at verse 22. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. Now many will hear the truth, and then they'll fall away because of the world, around them. It, it chokes out their relationship with Jesus Christ. There are people who have that initial interest and really have a genuine or heartfelt response and they, they want this, but then the world just chokes out everything that God's saying to them. This is why God said, study to show thyself approved unto God. This is why he wants you in his word. This is why he wants you in fellowship with other Christians. This is why he wants you in church. This is why we're doing what we're doing. And God is challenging each and every one of you to stay stable, not to be on that amusement ride. But he's saying to you, look, don't let the world choke us out. We will let our finances choke us out between us and our Savior. We will let problems in our home choke us out. We'll take offense to things. We'll, 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 we'll get to the place where we allow whatever's happening in the world, materialism or whatever, we allow that to choke out our relationship with God and with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, Jesus is talking to these disciples and he's saying, look at these different types of people. And listen to me. I started this message by telling you, every one of us fall into one of these categories. There is a category that I'm going to preach to you in just a moment that we should all fall into. But every one of us from time to time fall into these categories. We have these emotional responses. We allow the world sometimes to choke out our relationship with Jesus Christ. We allow those things to enter in. And these are people that have that initial interest, but there's no genuine heartfelt response in changing their life. There's that heartfelt response that I got what you said, but there's not a willingness to really change the direction that I'm going in. I'm just going to allow myself to keep on doing what I was doing. And yet the truth must take root in the heart. If it does not, it'll fall among the thorns and get choked out. These thorns come in various ways. I want you to look here in this passage. He talks about the cares of this world. The cares of this world choke out 
your relationship with Jesus Christ, the cares of this world. In Mark 10, 23, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? The cares of this world will choke down our relationship with Jesus Christ. We care more about worldly things than we do about the eternal. The temporal matter more than the eternal. And we allow that to choke out our relationship, the cares of this world. The next one is this. He talks about the deceitfulness of riches. This is another area of thorns that crop up. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I've heard people say, if I just had money, if I just had wealth, if I had, if I had, if I had. And the thing of it is, is if we're never satisfied with what we have, what makes you think more is going to satisfy you? It's like an alcoholic, isn't it? An alcoholic has to have just one more drink just to be satisfied. So how many is enough? Until he passed out, I suppose. But the thing of it is, is that we just want a little bit more. And if we just have, if we just have, if we just have, if we just have. And the thing of it is, is we uh, just take all this stuff in and yet we accumulate stuff. And, and for what purpose sometimes? How many of you in here right now believe in your heart and your mind? Sometimes I think I have more stuff than I need. <laughs> Amen? We sometimes have more stuff than we need, and we think we just need just a little bit more. And what happens to us is we go about accumulating stuff, and he said the deceitfulness of riches. And, and what it is is that if I just have this, I'll be happy, or if I just have this, I'll be happy. If I just have this, then I'll be happy. And, and, and it never satisfies because the thing that satisfies the most is Jesus Christ. <laughs> and we think something's going to do it for us, and it doesn't. The deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, these are thorns that get in our way and choke out Jesus Christ. The choking out of the word, he says here in verse 22. Things or worldly accomplishments are more important than the Lord. Material gain, vacations, playtime. I want you to turn to Luke with me, if you will. Everybody grab their Bibles. If you've got your Bible with you, let's turn to Luke chapter 12 real quick. You're in Matthew, Mark. Let's turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Look at verse 15 with me, if you will. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. You ought to underline that in your Bible. It says, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But notice the but. Anybody see that in the Scriptures? But God said unto him, Thou what? Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. 
God tells us that we ought to be rich toward him and not rich toward the things of this world. Sometimes we accumulate so much stuff and we just build bigger barns to place it. When I was growing up, Brother Mike, my daddy used to say this to me all the time. Everything you have, Bob, you have to have a place for it. <laughs> Everything you have, Bob, you have to have a place for it. You see, my dad's garage was not my storage place, Brother Chris. That was my dad's garage. So everything I had, I had to have a place for. So toys that I owned, we had a place to put our toys. Things that I owned had to be in their place. That was his other thing. Everything has a place and everything's in its place. Because he always wanted to know where everything was. Boy, he could always tell me whenever there was a wrench out of place. (laughs) Because he knew what he had. And the thing of it is, is that what happens to us is that we think we'll build these bigger barns and we'll have these things and we'll have this stuff. And if we have this, then, then will I be happy. And the reality is, is no, you won't. Because you're just going to want just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. He says in this passage that you ought to be careful that you're rich toward God and not rich toward worldly possessions. So regardless of the response that you receive, when you sow seed of the gospel, doesn't matter how people respond, but continue to preach the truth. And then there's this last response. And folks, I tell you, I pray that I find myself here more often and not in these other three categories. I want to I find myself in this category. Now, Ms. Fisher, I'm not always there, but I'd like to find myself here more often. And the thing of it is, Jimmy, is whenever we go out and about, we ought to do everything we can to reach people with the gospel. Everything we can. Brother David, no matter what you're doing, we want to try to reach people with the gospel. I challenge you this morning, I want you to think about this. There will be some who will understand the truth and begin to be productive in their Christian life. Look at verse 23. But he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. One of the true tests of salvation is a spiritual fruit. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth, fruit, uh, bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Brother Chris was just talking to us out here in the hallway, and he says, you know, he says, my one farm, he said, there's a little bit of rain, and the plants aren't growing as well. But he said, just three miles away from you, three miles, three miles away, you got about an inch and a half, and they're starting to sprout up. And the thing of it is, is that what do plants need? They need water, don't they? And they need sun. (laughs) And so they need that water and they need that sun. And so what we need is the water of the word. And we need the sun. Amen? Amen. And if we're going to grow as a Christian, we need that water. (laughs) And we need the sun. For without it, you're not going to grow. And when I thought about this, this fruit will include some things. One of the things the Bible teaches us is about holiness. Holiness in the scriptures, Romans 6.22, but now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and everlasting life. We have something, folks. I talk about Christian character and 
You know, Christian character is not what you do when Christians are all watching you. Christian character is what you have when no one else is watching. Did you hear what I just said? Christian character is what you have when no one else is watching. You see, if people are watching, so what? You're just trying to be on your best behavior. But boy, I want to challenge you about your Christian character. It's what you do when no one else is watching. Whenever I look at good works and good fruits and good character, I see Galatians 5, 22 through 25, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What that says is it's not only when people are watching, I am that consistently. Not just because somebody's watching me, but because that's what I am. And I have that character in my life. And good works, in Colossians 1.10, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God said two things there in Colossians 1.10. He said that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, pleasing God at all times. Pleasing the Lord at all times. Secondly, being fruitful in every good work. And notice this, and increasing in the knowledge of God. That means that I'm constantly taking more in about who he is and my relationship with him. And so I have that Christian character. I have that holiness. I have that good work, being a witness for him. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you witness to people? Do you hand out tracts? Do you invite people to church? Are you talking to folks about Jesus? Are you trying to impact or influence someone else's life for Jesus Christ? Is there that desire in your heart to do so as a saved individual, witnessing and then sharing in Romans 15, 26, for it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. Are you willing to give to those causes, to those needs here in the church and to missions and to all those things that God has called us to? And then praising God in Hebrews 13, 25, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. How often daily are you finding yourself in the midst of your Savior, thanking him with your lips, praising his name for what he has provided unto you? Fruitful. Fruitful. These are all fruitful things. Holiness. Christian character, good works, witnessing, sharing, praising God. You know, if a plant is to bear fruit, it's got to be rooted in the soil. I mean, part of the problem was is the ground was too wet. You couldn't plant the seed at one point, right? Ground's getting a little dry now, isn't it? So let me tell you what this is. It's balanced, isn't it? Just the right amount of rain, the right amount of soil, and the right amount of sun makes things grow, doesn't it? You know, we need the water of the Word. You'll become dry at some point if you don't quench your thirst with the Word of God. And by the way, if you're saved, you ought to be thirsty for this. <laughs> if you're saved, you ought to be thirsty for this. Do you hear me? If you're saved, you ought to be thirsty for this. You ought to have a thirst for the Word of God. And then you say, you know what? I need the sun. <laughs> I need him to shine down upon me. Manifest yourself before me, Lord. Show me. Teach me. Now, when I started this message, I said all of us, fall into one of those four categories, don't we? You know, if your seed's just sown on a stony place, it can be snatched away pretty quick, can't it? Then there's those that receive it, and we get excited about it, and we say, man, that's really good. And the thing of it is, is that as soon as the 
cares of this world enter in and choke it out, doesn't it? And then there's those of us that, man, we, we get it, we understand it and everything, and materialism, deceitfulness of riches, things start to come in and choke out the Word of God. But then there's that category, that fourth one, that's being the fruitful one. And I want to challenge you in your heart as a sower, and we should all be one if we're saved, amen? We ought to be sowers of the seed. Are you being a fruitful sower of the seed? Let's pray.